0: Welcome to Hebrew Bible Insights, a podcast about making sense of the Hebrew Bible. We engage in the study of the Hebrew Bible in its ancient Near Eastern context and original languages to promote good and reasonable interpretation of Scripture so that the Church might live more faithfully in the present. Welcome to Hebrew Bible Insights, a podcast about making sense of the Hebrew Bible. I'm Matthew Delaney. I'm here with Dr. Nathan French. And today we are having a awesome conversation about Dr. Nathan French's unique experience. He got to do a master's degree in Israel, in Jerusalem. He spent two years there studying the Hebrew Bible, studying the ancient Near East. And I know many people listening, maybe you've been to Israel, and probably if you've been there, you wish you could go back. Or if you haven't been there, you wish you could go. And today we're going to live vicariously through his experience. He's going to tell us What was it like living there? What did he study? What was it like learning in Israel about the stories of ancient Israel and the stories of Scripture? This is going to be an absolute blast. We're excited to have you on today. Yeah,
1: well, thanks. I'm I'm excited to be talking about this. So it's going to be going to be good. So
0: So, look, people can study almost any subject you want in Israel. Israel Mm -hmm. has some of the best universities in the world. Mm -hmm. about a number of subjects so before we dive in why don't you tell us specifically what did you study there for your master's degree
1: yeah no it's a it's a good question so i I ended up doing a master's degree in uh at the time i believe it was called the bible and its world um but we uh convinced them that maybe we should change that to uh uh hebrew bible the ancient near east or the bible and the near east and, and the ancient near east or something like that so that 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 is fully what it is and um the The whole point of the degree uh, is to study, obviously, the Hebrew Scriptures within its ancient Near Eastern context. I mean, that's that's how they've set up the degree uh, in Israel, and <clears throat> at least when I was there. I mean, I was there from two thousand nine to two thousand eleven, so it's been uh, been a good while since I've been there and since I completed my master's. But was at the Rothberg International School, which is connected to the Hebrew University part of it. And essentially, it's uh, just that the Hebrew University professors will come over to Rothberg and all classes will be taught in English. Um, And of course, this was their advanced uh, uh, Bible degree. So, uh, yeah. And there's a lot of flexibility in the degree. Uh, Students were able to really pick and choose what sort of emphasis they wanted to Uh, to have for their degree, especially if they were thinking of moving forward uh, in postgraduate studies. So the graduate degree really offered a lot of flexibility uh, in how one would um, uh, choose whether they wanted to emphasize, for example, on ancient languages, archaeology, um, the biblical text itself. You you, you got a bit of all of that uh, as part of the sort of main uh, roadmap for the degree, uh, but you could also um, sort of tailor it to your liking, depending on where you were going to go. Uh, after that, so
0: I love when education has individualization. You can choose mm-hmm. what things fit your passion, yeah. your interests, and yeah. they obviously have experts in all those areas. So
1: they do, and, and and that's the wonderful thing. The, the other great thing about the Hebrew University is, of course, like you said, it's 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 one of the top universities in the world, and so you have scholars, especially in Hebrew Bible and ancient Near Eastern studies, who are always coming through Jerusalem. Always ready and willing, probably to, I suppose, to take a sabbatical of some sort and teach at Hebrew U for that time, uh, and uh, and of course that that was the case. There were professors coming through in their areas of expertise. For example, I believe uh, uh, Mark Smith, who is, I think is at Princeton now, um, he came through and was teaching uh, Ugaritic one summer, and so uh, so you see you get you get these sorts of opportunities to uh, to to work with all sorts of different scholars. So. You know one thing i wonder what it was like for
0: you because mm-hmm. at least when i was in israel i felt <laughs> this way that the geography of the stories of the bible came to life yeah, yeah. i've lived most of my life in indiana and oklahoma very flat mm-hmm. no mountains <laughs> no hills even and so going to israel getting to actually experience what it's like going from tel aviv and the beach And then making that climb all the way up to Jerusalem, the topography, Mm -hmm. it just, just, I don't know, it made everything three dimensional for me. Whereas I feel like before so many of these stories were 2d, can you tell us what was it like being in the holy land as, you know, one of the courses you teach is the historical, historical geography of the holy land. Now, Mm -hmm. how did, how did getting to study in Israel for so long impact the way that you understand the geography?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in, in one sense, it really gives you orientation, as you're saying. So you have you have a you have a real orientation of what the land is and and the topography and, and all aspects of the land. And it's such a diverse land. It's very important that I don't those who have not been, they don't realize that there's all sorts of uh, different parts of Israel and different uh, topographies throughout. So you have you have the desert land, right? If you head down into the Negev and uh uh, head east of Jerusalem, and then head south, and it's just pretty much all desert, you know. But then when you're in yep. Jerusalem, you are up in the highlands. Even when you go outside Jerusalem, like if you go to Hebron, uh, you, you really see that you are in sort of a mountainous uh, mountainous area. Um, so we're not talking about the Rockies here, but but it still has very much that feel to it um uh when when you're in the jerusalem area then when like you said when you go down into tel aviv you're right on the coastal plain then and uh and then you head up north to haifa and uh you sort of hit the the carmel mountain ridge up there and um and then to the galilee and i always say when you're in the galilee region you sort of feel like you're i don't know in the midwest right here in here in america at least that's what i it's my context so that's what i can compare to a lot of farmland. Um, Beautiful lake, right the fresh water lake of uh, of the Kinneret, of, of of the Galilee there and uh and so um, being able to study there, especially for two years, it, it is true when you go on a tour you do get this introduction and you do see uh, the land uh in this way and you you have some orientation through your tours or if you've done it multiple times, but when you're actually living there you uh you become very uh, intimate with the land right I mean Israelis have this uh, uh this saying right uh, to know the land. You have to walk it, right? You have to, you have mm. to, you ha, you have to be on it and, and and really become intimate with it. And and, and I think that that's true uh, when you're studying there. At least it was for me uh, to really get a good grounding of of what we're talking about. So uh, within the, within the scriptures, I think something people also don't
0: realize is how relatively easy it is to walk the land of Israel. Yeah, you know, whenever <laughs> whenever people sometimes I've had people visit the U.S. and Uh, or I've had friends who've known others who've never been to the U S before and they come, let's say to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we're at. And then they'll just suggest, Hey, do you want to go, uh, drive to New York for the weekend? And you're like, well, I mean, we could, but it's going to take us over 20 hours just to drive there one way and then come back. People don't realize how massive the yeah. u.s is we they think of the big cities oh yeah let's just drive around and it's probably just like doing a western europe hop around the the nations it's like no that's just that's not how it works here yeah so with israel i mean the distance between let's say you just take tel aviv in the coastal plain mm-hmm. uh by the beach to jerusalem in the mountains that's like a you know, 45 minute ish
1: drive. (laughs) Yeah. Depending on traffic, right. It's not bad at all. So um, it's true. We don't realize how small the land is, uh, the land of Israel itself. And um, uh, you, yeah, you can, you you can get from one end to the other pretty quickly. Um, And uh, so this is, this is important when you're reading the stories to know sort of how close things are. Of course, we're Mm -hmm. dealing with ancient times. So things are T- take t- takes more time to get from one place to another but nevertheless the the distance isn't isn't that far at all and of course another great experience of 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 just knowing the land of israel is you then begin to understand uh israel's neighbors right and where they are geographically mm-hmm. and that's that becomes uh, very important both for modern uh, Israel studies or modern Middle Eastern studies as much as for ancient Near Eastern studies. So, um, so for example, on on this note, I remember sitting in Ohad Cohen's class and uh, we were talking about, uh, and I've said this I think before on this podcast. So the uh, the the Akkadian Shadum would be mountains, uh, and so the. Uh, this, what is it? The Stoth Moab, the, the, the fields of Moab or the mountains of Moab. And I remember he just stopped and he said, well, where are the fields of Moab and uh, pointed out the window and says they're over there. Right. So he points towards, uh, towards the East and there's the Jordanian mountains. Right. And this is, uh, where Ruth, uh, well, I'm sorry, this is where, um, the family, uh, Naomi, this is where they would have been going and, and it changes how you read the text in that moment, right? Because you have words on a page that are being connected, um, mm-hmm. to something like mountains that were there all that time ago. Right. So they ha- they haven't changed. They haven't moved. And, uh, and so that becomes, I think very important. And of course, you know, we got a chance to, uh, during that time I went to, um, uh, we, we were, we, we didn't, we didn't get to Cairo because I believe the riots broke out that year. Um, Uh, That were happening the uh, uh, the the different protests around the ancient Near East, the ancient Near East around the Middle East uh, during that time. Uh, So we didn't make it to Cairo, but we did make it to Dahab, so we were able to go down to uh, to the Sinai Peninsula uh, and go to St. Catherine's uh, and see Mount Sinai and all that. So that was wonderful. But you get a get a real feel then for the desert and the Sinai. You get a real feel for the Red Sea. Beautiful, lots of wonderful scuba diving right there along the coast in the Sinai. Um, a lot, of course, right down there on the Red Sea as well in Israel. Such a beautiful area, and then you can you can um, go across uh, to to Akaba in Jordan, and then head up to like Petra, for example. So um, these are um, experiences that you can have when you are when you are studying at the Hebrew University. You can actually experience some of the Middle East uh, as well, uh, and 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 really get a a footing. On an ancient Near Eastern level for Israel's neighbors and, and where all those locations are and what it's like. So
0: that's so cool. So yeah. cool.
1: Yeah, it is. One more it's, comment. It's,
0: yeah, go ahead. One more comment on this topic that when we hear about Jews are immigrating into Israel, they're doing aliyah. And maybe people have heard that word before, but aliyah literally means ascent and it's directly related to the word Allah. Uh, when you read in the Hebrew Bible, you hear about how the people of Israel are going to Allah to Israel, uh, to the promised land into Canaan. But in the book of numbers, they say, we do not want to Allah. We mm-hmm. don't want to ascend. And when you think about Jerusalem, you think about when you go there, you're going to go up. Yeah. And so you, you see the verticality, mm-hmm. uh, in. In the stories, in fact, the verb Allah is the last word in the book of Second Chronicles. Yeah. And, you know, may he Allah, may he ascend. Mm. So this again goes into ideas of mountains and what they represent in the ancient Near East mm. and relation to uh, temples and yeah. the cosmology. Mm. So this, this we could go to a whole nother conversation here. But when, when you see that, you realize, ah, this is why some of that verbiage is used. So.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Once, once you once you experience the land on that level you realize. I mean, yeah, once you once you get off the plane in Tel Aviv and you you take the Sheruth or the bus or the car or whatever you take up to Jerusalem, you're going up, right? I mean, you really yeah. are going up. And um and and you know it. And so it's it, it definitely changes how you read the text the Psalms of Ascent, for example, or like you were saying. Yeah. Uh, in these various passages, it becomes very important. Then, of course, Mount Zion and the importance of mountains in the ancient Near East oh. and and what that means. Uh, you're right. We could have a whole nother conversation on that level. So, I was just
0: reading Ezekiel 36 <laughs> with some people this week, and nice. there's, a, there's a part where it contrasts the mountains of Edom versus the mountains of Jerusalem. Mm. Ezekiel kind of doing another version of Obadiah, calling out the the Edomites and how proud they are for living in these super high mountains and as they you know as they judged israel while they were going to exile yet yet god talks about how their you know their mountains will will be destroyed yet the mountains of (laughs) of jerusalem and zion will be the place that he chooses so yeah Uh, so i want to go back to you know the master's degree because obviously you guys traveled around during the degree you also probably got time to travel around but specifically the degree you did what type of classes did people take when yeah. they got the degree in Hebrew Bible and the ancient Near East, yeah. I know you took many, but just maybe list a few. Give us a snapshot yeah. of of what that looked like.
1: Yeah, no, it's a good question. Maybe so, some of your um, favorite ones. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, uh, obviously, like I said, I, I sort of see it as a kind of a tripartite degree. You can do, you'll you'll end up doing languages. You'll you'll do. Um, You'll do text-based research, text-based classes, i.e., Hebrew Bible classes, classes like on the Psalms or classes on the priestly literature or the the um, um, other uh, other classes. Like I had one with Mordecai Kogan, for example, on uh, Assyrian sources and uh, and and the Book of Kings, for example, which was fantastic, right? I mean, such a such a lovely class. And um, and then on a third level, archaeology, right? So because archaeology in and of itself is such a different <clears> – <throat> it's related, obviously, to the study of the Bible, but it's its own discipline altogether, right? And um, so I, I think those three areas are really at the core of what you can take uh, in an, a, a Hebrew Bible, an ancient Near East degree, um, and, and what I did. And you get exposure to each, and you can really say, okay, what what area do I really love, and what area is is really my passion, and um, and unfortunately for me, I was like, well, all three are just wonderful. Why, why can't <laughs> they just do all three? So um, and one of my favorite courses, of course, was uh, Acadian. So when you get there, you have to decide whether or not you're going to take uh, the Acadian track or the non-Acadian track. That was the case when I was there. I don't know if that's still the case uh, if, if they get a, if, if everyone takes it or not. So um, so we had Elnathan Weissert, a brilliant man wonderful man, such a, such a lovely soul. And we had his course twice a week for three hours and it was wonderful. Right. I mean, I look back on this time and, uh, with, with the friends that I had in that course and it was just such a wonderful time with, with El Natan and learning the Akkadian language. And I know many who've gone through, uh, the program, they always, always talk about the Akkadian with El Natan and how wonderful that is. And, um, and and you know I taught Acadian here at uh, at ORU, and I had a student send me an email saying how much he loved that class, how, how how fond he is, how how fond of a memory it is when he's looking back on it just now. And he said, "Well, I just think it's the study of Acadian." You know, I think this is just what happens when you when you study Acadian. It really is this way. But no, El Natan really made such a wonderful experience uh, for all of us, and that class I have to say was my favorite. And it, as we've said before. Uh, I think we had Noah Green, one of our former students on, when you study Akkadian, it really opens up something else. Um, hard to explain, sort of like a window into the Near East, a window into the world of the Bible that you otherwise don't have access to. and um, and And so I was very thankful for that. So that's one of the classes. The other thing, the archaeology classes I really loved as well. So Uh, I think we had a class with Duran Ben-Ami, archaeologist in Israel. I loved we got to dig in Jerusalem at one point and getting to understand through the digging how archaeology works, uh, but also at the same time getting to understand how the research works in the library. Also very important uh, for archaeology. Uh, I mean, it's... Classic Indiana Jones, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, as he says, most archeology done in a library. You know, most ar- most archaeologists spend their time in a library, which is true. But no, they are also out in the field, and it's it's a lot of fun, hard work, but but fun nonetheless. And uh, going to Hatsor, I think one of the things that really picked my interest at the time, or uh, sort of really transformed my thinking on archaeology was being up at Hatzor and Duran Ben-Amin turning to a uh, sort of saw this large hill next to us where we were. We were in the temple complex. We could see this large hill. And he said, that's, you know, it's a tell, right? So a tell is uh, layer upon layer of, of civilization that is built. Uh, so from the ancient of time, civilizations come and they build on top of the previous generations, right? And so what you end up getting is a mound of swords or what we call a tell. And then what archaeologists have to do is dig from the top down, right? And you're destroying each layer as you go, but you're uncovering the civilizations that have built on top of it. So So for example, Jerusalem's a large tell, right? So Jerusalem's just been built. Um, you know, from generation to generation, built upon the previous generation. And so, if you dig down in Jerusalem, you can dig way down get back to the early Bronze Age. Uh, and, and you're like, okay, this was a parking garage, and now we we've uncovered it, and we see that the early Bronze Age was was way down there. And um, and this this happens all over Israel. But up at Hatsor, you know, Doron Ben-Ami pointing out the tell. It was really transformative for me to just see it in the moment, like, oh, yes, so there it is. It's a hill, and if we were to dig down that, we would see it. Also, to then look at the rest of the city of Hatzor, it's all farmland, and, you know, they're not probably ever going to excavate it, uh, but the city's probably out there, right? And, uh, and, and we've only uncovered just such a small part of it, and it makes us realize that there's a whole lot we – don't know yet. Right. That's still that's still hidden from us uh, of the past. So we've uncovered what we've uncovered and we continue to do so. Uh, but there's always more to find on the archaeological level. Um, I so I have amazing. one more. One, we have one yeah, more ahead. thing to say, though. So then on yep. the whole tripartite, so that's languages. Then you mm-hmm. have uh, uh, archaeology and and then the text based courses. Like I said, with Mordecai Kogan, absolutely love that. Um, such a wonderful time. But I think probably my favorite course was with uh, Professor Baruch Schwartz on the priestly literature. Uh, of course, he is the expert in this field. Uh, but to take his course and to, to he- get to hear from him uh, and to see him in his real element in that course, it was such a wonderful thing. And it 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 transformed the way I understood Leviticus, right? I mean, Leviticus really became one of my favorite texts of all time. Uh, still is to this day, uh, just because of that course. Um, during one of those classes, we got to uh, to spend uh, one of his uh, class periods in um, in Jacob Milgram's home. Jacob Milgram had passed, so uh, his widow's home. But we were uh, we we had a class there. Got to see Jacob Milgram study. And, um, you know, these are, these are experiences you can't have anywhere else, right? I mean, you can only have them at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. So, uh, so anyways, these are the types of classes and courses that you can take uh, in the degree.
0: Such a holistic approach. I love, by the way, that's a tripartite. That's so fitting for Hebrew Bible (laughs) studies.
1: Yes, indeed. Right. You have Uh, your
0: Torah prophets and writings, your Torah (laughs) Nevi'imoketurim, and then you have your tripartite (laughs) education to understand this tripartite canon. That's right. Very good. It's only fitting. (laughs) So, yeah, just amazing experience. Akkadian. It's one of the most beautiful, uh, impactful, yet also difficult languages that anyone could ever study. Mm Mm-hmm the scale though is is huge hundreds of thousands of tablets that yeah. tell us so much about the ancient near east so that's awesome your tripartite approach i think could be really helpful for people even those listening saying yeah. where have i been spending most of my time in you know maybe there's yeah. certain people they've been heavy in text certain people heavy in archaeology certain people heavy in language yeah and that's fine right we all have our main interests. Yeah, of course all right but what i what i've found is my on-ramp to biblical studies was language the language side Yeah, and over time, I realized okay, I want to beef up my area and text because realizing Mm -hmm. ultimately that languages have their meaning because of the text they're in, and it's important that we have we understand the context and having the whole story right, not just isolating words, good phrases, and then because of you, right, I end up (laughs) learning okay, I also need to add in the ancient Near East, the Mm. archaeology, and. I guess Ancient Near East is almost like a broader category because there's language, text, and archaeology within all of them.
1: Of course. But yeah. realizing,
0: hey, I don't want to just focus on Israel's languages yeah. and texts, yeah. but focus on the whole of Ancient Near East languages right. and texts. adding the archaeology. It just gives us a holistic grounding for how we approach things. And so, hey, good news for our listeners is we love covering all these topics, both ourselves <laughs> and with our guests. That's it. So if you need your... If you need your, a dose of, of good tripartite <laughs> education, here you go. We have it for exactly. you.
1: Exactly. And of course, like I always say, well, I have a, one of my, one of my closest friends from Israel, uh, whom I studied with, you know, as I always say, he always, he has this wonderful phrase where he says anything past 586 BCE is just post interesting, right? So (laughs) come and study the, the interesting period with all of us. So
0: that's good. (laughs) That's good. I love it. Yeah. What was that story with one of your professors that did someone ask, Hey, had you ever studied Latin? You know what I'm talking about?
1: No, 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 no. Um, Oh, yeah. What what story was that? I, I. It's not. No, that's not coming to mind. Did they? Uh...
0: I feel like there was one you told where one of your professors who had studied a lot of languages, and then he was asked like, "No,
1: Septuagint."
0: Oh, it was a Septuagint? Okay. It was the
1: Septuagint study? Yes, I. I think it was dealing with um with the Septuagint because okay. obviously, and this is this is a good question because with the Hebrew Bible and ancient in in the ancient Near East, obviously you just get into the Masoretic text and you're studying it because. If you're going to get back into the Near East, Greek is not really the language you'd want to go through. You'd want to go through the Semitic languages so that you can compare it to the other Semitic languages. And, of course, Septuagint is very important. We know this on a on a text-critical level, right, and, and, every, and everyone knows it. But, um, no, yeah, I just had a professor that had said that uh, he did not really... Touched the Septuagint since uh, since grad school, and for good reason. No, re- there, there was no need to. There was no need to for uh, for his particular study and area. So,
0: yeah. No offense for our fellow brothers and sisters who study the Septuagint. No,
1: it's very important. You know, no, I, d- I understand. Important. But uh, maybe we'll have to do yeah. another another uh, another podcast on the Septuagint, and the importance of yeah. it, and and what we're dealing with there. So,
0: we also need one on Leviticus. We had um,
1: okay. yes, Yitzhak Fader, right? Yep.
0: Yeah. Oh, him yeah, him on, which was awesome. Episode. Yeah. And and it to... was a
1: lot from obviously Baruch Schwartz's class. Um, and some of the research I did for him that I really wanted to ask fader about more. Um, and um, so so anyways, a lot, a lot with Leviticus that we need to talk about. So we yeah. do. Yeah. So
0: I'm curious on the teaching side of things, the teaching yeah. research, you mm-hmm. got to be around people like Baruch Schwartz, mm-hmm. El Natan. Right. By the way, fun fact, I forgot. I was thinking when you said El Natan taught such a great course in Akkadian mm-hmm. and I thought about how it sounds like El Natan, El Natan to you all. El God Natan gave. His name means God gave, you know, God gave El Natan as a <laughs> gift to, to give everyone a right. gift of Akkadian. He
1: did, yes, indeed. So uh so
0: something yeah. I'm curious about is is there anything that you walked away from not just the content they taught, but how they taught. Not just their yeah. research, but how they researched yeah, yeah, yeah. that You know, you've kind of incorporated or been influenced by by any of the professors that you studied with when you were at uh, Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Yeah,
1: it's a great question. Um, Yeah, I mean they they were all just dx. I mean, experts in their field. I mean, they knew their stuff like like none other. But they were so personable, and I think that was uh, such a lovely part of the teaching um, that there there was a there was a a high regard for uh, exceptional academics and research but they were approachable professors. Uh, they were um, professors that, that really cared about their students. You could tell uh, on one level, um, uh, Brook Schwartz, of course uh, uh, we, we had some, some lovely time with him even outside the classroom. Um, El Natan uh, as well uh, had a few meals with him. Um, Natan Wasserman, the way that he would teach was was really exceptional. Um, it's nice too to see uh, when you leave Hebrew. You're like, oh, these are these are really uh, the top scholars uh, in, in their areas. Uh, you start reading their publications, and um, even a recent find in Jerusalem, uh, Natan Wasserman was being interviewed, and you're like, oh yeah, I had that yeah. professor. Remember this? And, so um, cool. Yeah, uh, so some of those sorts of things. Uh, um, yeah, and also the advice we would we would ask because a lot of us our intent was to go on do PhDs. Uh, to do postgraduate work and to teach, and so we would ask for advice on just teaching, right? Uh, um, and and we would get that advice. We'd get that advice back, and I think that that also being uh, very important. I know that when I teach, I often think back on some of those professors, and I think, how were they doing this? I see how they were doing it. I took note of it, and I try to implement some of that into my own uh, into my own coursework. So. Um, so yeah, I think uh, on that level it's very uh, it was very Jewish, very Israeli, right? Uh, it's 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 um, it's taking students under your wing and really uh, really walking them through material and and, and teaching it in, in a good and exceptional way. So that's awesome. Yeah. You know,
0: um, something else I'm curious about is the, the the nature of a spectrum of specialization to generalization. Mm. So, so I think there's a need for every part of the spectrum, people who are studying one specific topic, their whole life, and they just dig really deep in it, generalization, people who can talk about just about everything, anything that comes up in a class, they have something to say. Yeah. And so we have people listening to this podcast who are all over on that spectrum. Yeah. Some people have a really niche interest. They dive deep into it. Other people, you know, they've done a lot of study. What I'm curious for you is, I think there are many people in periphery fields that they, let's say, are a general Bible person or Mm -hmm. Bible and theology and Christianity. And maybe they've done done a study on everything from from the Hebrew Bible all the way through to modern Christianity and everything in between covering Hebrew Mm -hmm. Bible, New Testament, Mm -hmm. the church fathers, early church, uh, modern applications for Christianity. And what type of experience does someone get when they say, you know what, I'm really just going to dig deep on Hebrew Bible and ancient Near East? What type of things do you get from choosing to specialize there that maybe the person who's generalizing isn't going to pick up on? And I'm not asking this question to be a comparison game thing. No, I understand. I think but I think there are people who like they they realize, hey, because I'm focusing more up up top meta level on a, a lot of things. There are some details. There are some components that I'm not going to pick up on. So as someone yeah. who you've, you've done yeah. that in your career, what what, yeah. what type of things do you think? Well, it's it's a good, I
1: mean, it's a good question. I mean, when I started out here just at ORU, for example, my undergraduate years, I mean, I was really looking toward ministry mostly. I mean, that's where my heart was preaching and teaching. And um, uh, so going through theology. Right theology proper, you learn really quickly, okay, so all the great theologians of the church are just, they're just biblical scholars, right? I mean, that's all they're really doing. They're just talking and, and discussing mm. the text. And so I thought, okay, well, I already have done Hebrew, very interested in the text, always have been interested in Bible. So jumping then into Bible here, uh, Judaic Christian Studies under, of course, uh, Professor Brad Young at ORU, uh, I know we've talked about this, but, but there... Uh, really trying to understand Jesus within Second Temple Judaism. And within that particular context, especially rabbinic Judaism, very uh, instructive, very important. Um, but for, uh, you know, for, for for all of that, you still have one component <laughs> missing. The apostles and Jesus are all reading the Hebrew Bible. Of course, Jesus himself claiming to be who he is uh, is going, that's going to mean something then when it comes to the ancient Near East, right? So then to specialize in Hebrew Bible in the ancient Near East was just a uh, sort of the last component for me of that whole journey um, uh, of my academic career. And it just unlocked everything. And I I don't say that uh, flippantly, right? Like it really does just unlock the text, unlocks the New Testament. In my opinion, it unlocks a whole swath of probably medieval theology i have a student who i'm who, who i'm discussing this a lot about he's very interested in medieval theology and i thought well let's have this discussion about the ancient years i just taught a class <laughs> here at oru it was more of a humanities course uh called wisdom of the ancient world in which as you know i i really hit hard on ancient near eastern wisdom traditions and philosophy and and moved up to the greco-roman era and, and just ended there. new testament greco-roman era and um and it was amazing. It, it is amazing to see how much the Near East is actually influencing all of these later traditions. Uh, and we we take it for granted in the Western world. Um, well, mm-hmm. I would say we're ignorant of it th- on many levels in the Western world. Yeah. We take it for granted how much influence is coming through. And so what I would say is that and there is somewhat of a, a pushback within the academy for those of us who do this sort of research. um, uh, you know, like I, I worked under Professor Lena Sophia Thielmeyer in my PhD work, and and uh, apart from her brilliance and apart from uh, her amazing publishing um, giftedness and and all that she's written and all that she does, and from just being such a fantastic person, one thing that really led me to her was the fact that she had studied her first two degrees at the Hebrew University. So I knew that we would have that shared uh, methodology that we had received from Hebrew U, and that was very important for me because. Um, to be able to specialize in the near East and in the Hebrew Bible is, uh, is so important for understanding it and interpreting it. I can't, I can't say it enough. Like uh, what I, what I like to say to my students, maybe I'll just say it here on the podcast, say this to my students, like we have to be, obviously we're commanded to be people of love, right? People who um, can, can love the other. And in this case, I would bid our listeners uh, that, We need to love our ancient Near Eastern brethren, right? Our ancient Near Eastern Mm. ancestors enough to say, we need to learn about you. We need to learn about your cultures if we're going to be reading the Hebrew Bible and we're going to be trying Mm. to understand it. And as my dear friend, uh, whom I I was talking about from from Hebrew University, who had that wonderful phrase about the post interesting, uh, as he would always say uh, to me and still does in conversations at times, he will say, well, just remember that the New Testament is still the ancient Near East, right? It is still very much part of that world and of that tradition. And sure. um, so anyways, to specialize in Hebrew Bible in the Near East, I know some people would think, why would you do it? And uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, the, it's, not, it's not a, you don't do it for money, that's for sure, right? I mean, that's, that's not why you're doing it. But yeah. if you want to understand the text and you really want to understand where ancient Israel came from, you have no choice. You have to, you have to, you have to dive into it and specialize in it. Now for our listeners, we're doing that to, to get it out there. It's not an easy road. It's not something that can just, everybody can do because it takes so much time takes, takes yeah. a lot of work uh, to get into specialization. But for those who are interested in deeper study of the Bible um, I, um, I would suggest that you find some of the tools that you need to really dive into that part of your understanding of, um if you have if you have not so that's really good it's a long-winded response but there it is so <laughs> hey
0: it's, it's it's good preaching <laughs> there you go
1: right yeah good it's preaching. really good amen good preaching yes <laughs>
0: yeah so yeah if people you're listening to this this strikes a chord with you you want to go deeper reach out to us um on social media you can you can dm me on our social media platforms like Instagram Facebook. TikTok. tock. You can also post a comment in the YouTube video. If that's where you're, if that's where you're watching us, or you can send an email to Matthew at Hebrew Bible insights.com. And, and I can get that question to, to Dr. French here. If you have any questions, cause we want to encourage people. We want to help support you on this journey. We know what it's like to be passionate about this area. That, uh, is, it's such an important, such an important field that doesn't get enough attention and it's so relevant. Um, for, uh, for Christians to, to grow in, it really helps have a holistic understanding of scripture. Mm-hmm. So, and those of you that you've already chosen a different specialization, thanks for joining us. We, we hope this is a great resource to yeah. just add to your repertoire and cause we know we need other expertises too. And, and so thanks for joining us on this. Uh, you know, I also want to ask you just a couple of mm-hmm. just fun questions mm-hmm. about stories that maybe you have from, when you're in Israel maybe you took a fun trip or you had a fun interaction <laughs> yeah. or anything you have you have any yeah. of those stories
1: yeah yeah a lot of a uh, lot of fun stories uh, within uh, within Israel of course the the one story that matters of course is the hummus story right like so to <laughs> to eat Israeli hummus there's nothing like it right and um yeah. and uh and so i miss i miss the hummus especially we had a lot of uh, hummus uh, outings um, I would just say getting to know the people. I, I really loved my kehilah, so I worshipped with some messianic uh, Jewish believers uh, mm-hmm. on a Saturday night on Shabbat Eve uh, in Jerusalem, and it was a, it was a smaller group, and really loved that community of faith. I went on a few outings with the with the men. Uh, did a, a sort of a, a hiking rafting trip up north, and uh, and just such a lovely time. I I, I really 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 enjoyed that. Uh, Part of being in Israel, of course, uh, like I said, the Hebrew University with all of the the faculty and the uh, and the professors, there such lovely people, such uh, such uh, um, wonderful care for their students. Uh, That's that's what I I felt uh, being in Israel when I was there Uh, and they and they take it very seriously and uh, and they really they really do want students coming uh, to study there. And uh,
0: and so you should. So like you, Israel ruined hummus for me in the best and worst way ever.
1: <laughs> yes, how so? <also. laughs>
0: because there's nothing like it in the States. Mm-hmm. When I go mm-hmm. over there, I, I know. I'm like, I don't know what brown stuff I was eating in America, <laughs> but it's not the same. Because <laughs> like you go to Israel and there's just stores that all they sell is hummus. That's it. I
1: know. You I go know.
0: there at a restaurant and you can just yeah. buy hummus and all different kinds and even like meats that are inside of it. You get hummus as a main dish if you want. It was so good. <laughs> yeah, and then I come back and I'm like, so You're sad. Be- yes. So look, hummus, it, it's still pretty healthy. So I eat what yeah. I can find. But yeah. I, I mean, I call it hummus, but I don't call it hummus, if you know what I mean. Like yes, in Israel, right. there, there's hummus. And here it's, it, it's hummus. <laughs> it's,
1: hummus. <laughs> it's good. I like that.
0: But seriously, the, the food in Israel <laughs> no, is still true. healthy. I am Yeah, I overall, nice Mediterranean
1: diet, all of it. Yeah.
0: Mediterranean so, diet is great. Cool. So uh absolutely love that. So, yeah, that that hummus, I, I totally relate to you yeah. on on yeah. that front.
1: So, there was that um let's see. Uh obviously the friends our trips to uh to the beach in Tel Aviv where I said one of the greatest roads if not the greatest road in Jerusalem was the one to Tel Aviv to go to the beach, right? So, always, yeah. always we love Jerusalem. but It's always nice to get out and uh and to go enjoy other parts of Israel uh and then to come back and Obviously, I got to know several other families. Uh, There was a Lebanese pastor friend of mine up in Haifa. He's Israeli. Uh, Wonderful story uh, for his life and family. And I really got to know him and uh, his family and really enjoyed worshiping with them and uh, spent a lot of time with them. And then, of course, uh, in Bethlehem, there's a family there I'd spend a lot of time with as well, uh, uh, on the weekends. Uh, every now and then would would head over and, and spend time. So that was a times that I cherish in my memory and still keep in touch uh, with uh, with those families. And uh, of course, uh you know my like i said some of my best friends coming out of 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 uh of my time at Hebrew U it just felt like one of those moments like we talked a uh a elohit, right a time a divine yeah. time uh with those friends yeah. that i made lifelong friends and uh uh, still, colleagues in the field with uh, with many of them, uh, but I, I, I have to say the the best thing that happened, uh, the best experience that I had was I got engaged when I was in Israel. Hey, so. there
0: you go. <laughs> hey, you need to tell the story about yeah. how you got the ring yeah. there and yeah, everything. Right, right, right. Like this so, is great.
1: So, uh, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, she uh, she was. In Denver, she she's from Denver, so she was working on her second master's degree in clinical psychology and counseling at uh, Denver Seminary, and she came for a visit. What was it? Uh, two thousand end of two thousand ten. So she was going to come for the new year, uh, and of course, I was going to propose. But I I couldn't really afford to buy jewelry in Israel, so I had to buy the ring in the states. So I I bought the ring online. I could I could get I got it ordered. And uh, had to devise a plan to get this ring to Israel. <laughs> Couldn't ship it, right? That wasn't an option.
0: Yeah, right. So I had
1: to figure <laughs> out how to get it here so that I could propose. And so I worked with my mother, and she we devised a plan where she stuck the ring up, uh, cut so the the international Apple Mac plugs, right? I was a huge, I still am an Apple fanboy, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so my mother cut out part of the cardboard in in this Apple Mac box uh, plugs and was able to stick the ring in there and then tape it all back up and then close it again to look as if it hadn't been opened. And uh, she, of course, wrapped it and sent it to uh, my girlfriend. And um, she, of course, thought that, well, the Israelis aren't going to probably allow a wrapped gift in a bag. So uh, she unwrapped it. saw it was just these Mac Mac plugs. And this would be a Christmas gift for me. So uh, anyways, made it into the luggage. And then, of course, uh, when she left Denver, a huge snowstorm hits the, the East Coast, right? So oh, no. they're just shutting down uh, airports everywhere. But the one airport that she was going through was the only one that did not get shut down. She was the last flight to get out. So she made it to Tel Aviv, made it with the ring, gave me that as the gift. and uh, And so I was able to get the ring out and then proposed on New Year's Day, up on Har Arbel mount Arbel right a famous Wait, hiking knitting. hiking place <laughs> right there in Israel and um, and so we we were down near the Galilee we saw Capernaum and then I took her up to to that cliffside it was great it had just rained so it was really a beautiful area and then when we got up there there were some people and then uh, people just dissipated there wasn't anyone there and I was able to uh, then propose and she said yes she said yes and hey. so we, uh, yes. And we are, uh, amazing. Yes, it was, it was fun. We went down and had a, a nice meal on the sea of Galilee after that moment, and then drove back to Jerusalem. So <laughs> how <laughs>
0: romantic, maybe, maybe, maybe those listening, maybe you too can find love in the land of Israel. That's
1: <laughs> Get engaged. You, right.
0: You can have Go reason to read the song of songs in Hebrew at the sea of Galilee <laughs> while you <laughs> eat a meal uh, together. Yes. That's indeed. a perfect so, story to end on how, yeah. how epic. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Your wife's amazing too. She and I lo- oh, we she's love incredible. With you guys.
1: And you will... guys are doctors
0: French. Yeah, know? she
1: I was uh, gonna say she works here at Israel. She, not at Israel, she works here uh, at ORU as well in the counseling department, the grad department. So uh, yep. yeah, we have two boys, Ezra and Boaz. So we took those uh-huh. Hebrew names and said, we're gonna run with us. So
0: <laughs> Shannon, I might be following in your, your path. You know, Shannon's a doctor. Like the real kind, you know, the ones who help people with,
1: with, <laughs> right, <not> the... <laughs>
0: with medical problems. Um, and if I get my PhD, we can be Doctors Delaney and there you go. Doctors yeah. French. And doctors How French fun.
1: We'll, we'll go on a trip.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for sharing stories about your journey. I, I think yeah. people will, will find this very entertaining and also valuable. And if people like this episode, I think we should do one about what it was like for you getting your PhD in the U.S. Yes. would love to know that about whole that, experience. Yeah. So I think that would be fantastic. I think d- to get a really in-depth feel of what's yes. the difference between a master's degree and a PhD, absolutely the type of work yeah. you do, I think it'd be great. So we'll probably have to do that in the future. Let's do it. So to all our listeners, thank you so much for joining us in our conversation today, and we'll see you in the next one.